0: Hey church, how's it going? I just wanted to say thank you for joining us this morning or this evening whenever you're tuning in to the sermon this week. Uh, before we get into the sermon, really, I, I gathered here with some of the staff and some friends and uh, less than 10 people were being respectful. But I just want to encourage you, uh, before we open the word together, um, I just have felt a sense this week as I've been getting ready for the sermon to just encourage all of us that uh, the promise throughout Scripture... The main points, if you were to look all the way from Genesis all the way through Revelation, is that God wants to be with us god was with us in the garden god made a way to be with us with jesus and he will be with us forevermore in revelation and so that promise is not contingent on whether everything is good in life or whether everything is chaotic in life but god has made a promise to be near he has he's promised to be close and with us and so i just want to encourage you that uh whether you're feeling anxious maybe it's uh maybe you're not doing well in social uh distancing and you're kind of stuck in your house and you're maybe kind of starting to feel a little uh, it just anxiety just from that, like I haven't left my house in a few days and oh my gosh, what's happening? And or maybe just even the economic stuff that's kind of feels like it's on a roller coaster right now. Maybe that's causing some anxiety in you or maybe you're just uh, wondering when this is all going to pass. I just want to encourage you. God is with you. God is near to you. He's close to those who are brokenhearted. He's close to those who are who are concerned, and he he wants to enter into this situation with you. So before we even go anywhere in the message, I just want to reach you with that encouragement that uh, God's not going anywhere. This hasn't taken him by surprise. This hasn't like this hasn't caught him off guard. What's happening on the earth right now? And I think it's a time right now for the church all over, for all of us, to really press in and to realize that God is near. God is near, and there's something that can be developed in this time. I love that some of our values are to lean into intimacy, into relationships, and and as we're in this season as a church where for the next couple weeks at least, this Sunday and for next Sunday, we're going to be in homes again, uh, I just want to encourage you that this isn't a time where uh, the kingdom of God is going to start retreating. It's not a time where, even though we're not gathered in buildings, the gospel's going to shrink back. The gospel's going to continue to go forward. Uh, we're going to have times where we can lean into different values, different things, and and I, I miss being in church. I think I'm with all of you guys when I say that. Like we miss being in church with you all. Uh, but for now, like let's let God do what He wants to do in this season in us. And so each of us personally, as we kind of wade through this time, let's let's be in tune with what God might want to do. So I just wanted to encourage you, tell you a little bit about what church is going to look like for us. Maybe this is getting shared to you. Maybe you're not part of Good Shepherd Church. Um, and that's great. I hope that this message, I think this message for all of us today, it's amazing how how timely it is because we have been going through this series that we're just calling I Am where we're going to be unpacking the seven I am statements that are found in the book of John and and we're coming up on Easter. And so, of course, like even our minds were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do for Easter? We we have some plans. We got some things that we're going to try and figure out. But um, it, like the world looks different than even when we started this series as a church. Does it not? Yeah. Like I just think about how like, man, week one of this series was a few weeks back and I was able to just go to a restaurant and and, and watch the NBA at Buffalo Wild Wings like in the background, like it was just there and... And did I take it for granted? Like, did I enjoy that time of life enough when we weren't stuck in the house and now the kids aren't going back to school for four more weeks? And like, it's just, it's all changing so quick. And so whether or not you're part of this community, this is where we are. This is how we're moving in this time. Just want to encourage you, uh, you could go back and get caught up pretty quick. You're probably reaching the end of Hulu, of Netflix, of Amazon. You're probably reaching the end of all those things at this point. So you could go back and watch the rest of this uh, series. You could go back and watch what we've been in as a church for the last year. You can go in and dial in, like, this doesn't have to be a time where we wane, but it can be a time where we press in and and grow deeper. So I think one of the things that's been on my mind is, uh, you know, how do we answer the questions of the church? I think there's a lot of people right now, whether they're saying it outwardly or not, is how do we, like, how do we make sense of who God is in the midst of such chaos, in the midst of such, like, like just brokenness and hurting, how do we make sense of who God is and what He's doing in this time? I love Ravi Zacharias. He's a, an apologist, so he's made a career. He's known for defending the faith, and he goes into all these debates and he and he argues with like some high thought leaders in in different religions, uh, people who are atheists, and he, and he he is known for like his intellectual arguments against people coming against the faith. Okay, what does he have to say about this time? This isn't a quote from him from this time. We're all kind of dealing with COVID-19 and, and like changing everything day by day. But he just says what we have to know as the church is that love is the greatest apologetic. Love is the greatest apologetic. Love is the greatest defense of the faith. It is the essential component in reaching the world, the whole, I'm sorry, it is the essential component in reaching the whole person in a fragmented world. The need is vast, but it is also imperative that we be willing to follow the example of Jesus and meet the need. So, like, that's it. Like, rather than sit back and wonder, okay, wait, how do I defend God in this time? How do I enter into the conversation about how is God good in the midst of a virus like this? We just love on people, and if we see needs, we meet them. And so that's what we're going to try and be doing as a church. Like, is all uh, update weekly. You can, if you if you aren't like in touch with our church and you want to just like get these notifications, you can go to gschurch.info right now. You can fill out a little contact card there, so we just get this message on Sundays delivered to your inbox, and you also will get just a little midweek update. Because as a church, really, what we're trying to do is figure out, okay, how are we doing church every week, and how are we being church every week? Kind of just tackling those two questions as it changes day by day. That's where we're at. So. John chapter 10 is where we're gonna be at today and we're unpacking the third I am statement. So we did we did the bread of life, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, and this week we're unpacking how Jesus says I am the door. Your translation, your version might say I am the gate, um, but I am the door is how it's read in the ESV. That's how we're going to be reading it today. Before we jump into the text, you know I don't know who all is gonna be on the other side of this camera watching this at some point, and so I just want to tease you with the thought, I guess, that I actually believe that God has placed eternity, he's placed this idea of an everlasting life on every human's heart. So we're made in the image of God, so he's kind of placed this in us. And so whether or not you believe everything that I'm saying today, I think we can all on some level wrap our heads around this fact that like, man, as you go through life, don't we all kind of just ask the question like, is this it? Like, is there more to what we're doing than just like living, uh, working, eating, sleeping, saving up money for retirement, and then and then that's it. Like, and I think that the Bible answers that clearly. Solomon writes, like there there is eternity that's been written on every human's heart. And so yes, we have this question that longs to know more. And as we unpack this verse today, what we're going to see is that there is an abundant life, there is an everlasting life that God has designed for us to participate in. He didn't just call us to live with this life where we just go, Okay, like I understand these facts, I understand these things, but there is actually, there's a life to the full that he wants us to engage in and to live in. So, John chapter 10, let's dive right in um, and I'll kind of unpack and maybe explain some context as we go. So, starting in verse 1, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep.' All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to still steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I think there's a few pieces that you have to understand in this in this text to make it make sense. There's the sheepfold. What What is the sheepfold? What, it, what is Jesus talking about when he's talking about the door and saying, I am the door? And what's the pasture? As they go in and out and find pasture, what, is, what does that mean? And so the sheepfold, it's important to know the cultural context of this time, when this was written, when Jesus said this, and who he said it to, where people in the, in like the Jewish countryside would have known that a shepherd would bring his sheep to a, to a common sheepfold. And every town would have a sheepfold where shepherds would be able to bring their sheep in. And they'd go into this pen. And this pen was either enclosed or maybe it was in a cave. And the, the key part about the pen, the sheepfold, was that there was only one way out. There was just one door, one gate on its way out. And and what we'll understand next week as we talk about this is that the shepherd would actually lay himself down at at the entryway of the sheepfold so that he would know if there was any predators, any thieves coming to break in, and so that he would literally know what was going in and out of the sheepfold. So you have this fold where the sheep are. Now, the context that he's talking to is a bunch of Jewish leaders. And what the sheepfold represents in this story is the law. It's the law of Moses, and it says here you are in this, in this pen, in this circumstance, and the only way out of it is through this gate. Now Jesus says, I am that gate, I am that door, and so when he's talking about being the door, he's literally talking about the only way to step out of the pen and into this pasture. And now the pasture, it's good to know, it's not, it's not heaven, it's not our final destination, but the pasture is actually this everlasting life. He says that the the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it to the full or have it abundantly. That's the picture of the pasture. I want to point out a couple things of our tendency as sheep as we get into the pen. I've kind of subtitled this message, Stuck Inside, Looking at Freedom. and that Because I think that's the spiritual reality of what's happening in this text right here. It's also the physical reality of where we're all at right now. Like, is we're just like looking outside going like, man, remember when, you know? And it's just, and it's like, you see neighbors walking around. You're like, should I go say, hey, like I probably shouldn't, you know, like, oh my gosh. But there's this reality that what the law created and what even we experience in the spiritual sense is that we are in this place where we're stuck we're stuck. Like we could never have performed all of the law correctly. The Jewish leaders could have never performed all the law correctly to step into eternal life or everlasting life. And we are all trapped spiritually because of sin and because of like our inability to be perfectly righteous, that we are stuck in this spot where we're just looking outside at freedom, looking outside at everlasting life, and we can't get there. We can't get there unless we have this gate. So we'll kind of walk through. These are some of the temptations that I'm calling them, some temptations from the fold. As we're trapped inside looking at freedom, this is what it feels like and this is where we can uh, kind of convince ourselves. Uh, we can be convinced first and foremost that uh, the fold is forever. So that's my, kind of my first point. We can be convinced that the fold is forever. That we're stuck inside in this spot and we can be convinced that that's going to be like that for forever. Like we're always going to be stuck there here's the reality is the fold offers some sense of protection. Being in that pen, like it does, there is a reality to the fact that it offers some protection. So if you kinda of go there with me with the analogy of like even what's happening currently, like we're safer inside. Certainly the sheep were safe from from um, like wolves and different predators outside, but when they're in the fold they're safe. And we're being told to get inside because it's, it's safe, it's the safe place to be. But the fold's never meant to be for forever. We, in fact we were never designed to be stuck in the fold, we were designed for the pasture. We're designed to be out in this eternal, abundant, everlasting life. Um, And so, like, I hope you can hear this in even a bigger context than what's happening right now, but I think God does His best work when we're outside of the spaces where we feel most safe. And so even if you go back to the messages talking about the bread of life, where we find that, like, man, it it can get really comfortable or we can feel really secure because of our finances, because of how like how healthy our job is, how healthy our savings account is, we can get we can get comfortable because of our health. We can we can really even get comfortable because we have a lot of good like religious activity that we fill our lives with. And so we feel like, "Oh my gosh, well, I'm feeling actually pretty good about myself because if I look at my own righteousness like rap sheet, it looks a lot better than this guy's over here." And that that can cause us to feel more comfortable about our situation. We can find comfort in our health. Like I'm so healthy and I'm I'm drinking these protein shakes, and I'm eating my vegetables and and man, like all of that, I think we're feeling this right now, but certainly this like this too shall pass. COVID-19 will go away, and, but the same things will continue to be true. We'll still try and find our comfort, our peace in wealth, health, all these different things, but we're seeing and feeling the reality right now that those things are fragile and they can be taken from us what feels like in weeks, in days, like it changes day by day. And so the fold was never meant to be forever. God, God never designed for us to get so comfortable in the spot where we convince ourselves that we feel safe. But He's got a pasture that He wants us to live in. The pasture, in all reality, like it has some dangers to it. If you step out and if you follow God into all that He calls for you, like there will be some things that aren't—they don't feel as comfortable. They certainly don't feel as secure. But as long as we're walking by faith, following the good shepherd, like we'll talk about next week, He's with us. He's, he's got us. It's okay one thing that's clear throughout the narrative of scripture is that God does his best work when we're outside of our comfort zone stepping into following him living a life by faith not by sight but we're following after him wherever he'd have for us and so the second temptation that you even see in the in the passage here but is that we we tend to follow other voices we tend to follow other voices Um, in in the sheepfold what would happen is a shepherd would come because it was a community sheepfold like it was a community pen and so shepherds would come to the gate and they would make a unique call, a unique sound, and their sheep would recognize their voice and come out. And so different shepherds would come along. And it was a way that like, not, like not different sheep wouldn't come and follow the wrong pasture. And, and I experienced this actually as a young boy growing up. My uncle lived on our family farm that was just a few miles north of the church here. And uh, he would always have these lambs every year and some of them had to be bottle fed because they weren't able to nurse or whatever, so he had to have to bottle feed them, and they'd be in their own pen. Like all the lambs it was the cutest thing ever. He's like 40, 50 lambs sometimes would be in their own pen. And he would walk over to the pen and, and he'd whistle just in a certain way, like I, I couldn't even do it if I tried, but he'd whistle in a certain way, and like a handful of lambs would just come over to him. Like my brother and I, we could go over to the side of the pen and you could call and you could try and you could do whatever you wanted to try and bribe them to come to you, they would never come. And all he had to do, he didn't have to have anything with him, he could just whistle and they'd come over to him. I think it's this beautiful picture of what Jesus is saying here is that my sheep know my voice. And so just in this time right now but also just in our lives, I wonder how much we're dialing into other voices. I'm not saying it's not important to be informed. I think it's very important right now to be informed and to listen to the news and watch what's going on and listen to how the health experts are recommending we move forward and how we process these things but in reality like we have to state, the most important voice that we listen to is the voice of our father the voice of Jesus who's speaking out to us who's leading us in a certain way the context of this of course is the is the law and it's freedom from the law but I think in reality we can look at this look at this story that Jesus is telling and really what he's saying is that man there's there's a way where you're stuck you're stuck in the sheepfold I have made a way and here's a pasture And and again, the only way that we're going to step into that pasture, that everlasting life, is to listen to the sound of his voice. Mm. And so I hope in this time when there's so much white noise, it feels like everyone's like Facebook informed, right? You're like, well, what's going on today? And it's like, well, I I read this on Facebook. Yeah, I saw this on the news and this, I saw this is what's happening. Like kind of a dangerous spot. I feel like we're all in where we're just listening to everyone else's opinions on the news or on Facebook and on different feeds. Uh, I just want to make sure right now, like you're disconnected from the rest of life you're not doing sports like you used to, you're not doing school like you used to, your work probably looks a little different, make the time in this season, lean in, listen to the Father's voice. Press it like, I I might just get caught up on a reading plan. I might just read an extra reading plan. So if you're falling behind on your yearly reading plan, Now's a great time to get caught up. Like you you might be able to just read the whole Bible this whole time in quarantine. If you just press in and read it, listen to the Father's voice. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in worship. And make sure you know what he sounds like so that when he calls, you can follow him. So the next thing that we try and do, uh, I'm convinced that we we try and spend our life trying to, uh, at times, widen the peephole to look out at the pasture when Jesus is just opening the door. So, so we try and do all these things that we put in our life to try and, to try and make ourselves feel better. and We try and put all these works in place that we might try and just earn more ability to see the pasture when Jesus is saying, hey, I've opened the door for you. I am the gate. Like, I've made this way where there was no way. And so again, the context for this story, it's actually coming off, um, I don't know if you know this, but like chapter, chapters were placed much longer after the canon of Scripture was closed. And so, when this was first written, there wasn't all the separation. Now, now I'm not knocking like chapters being put in because it helps organize and it helps us clarify like location and conversations and settings. Like it helps us know when things change in scripture. Um, but really, the difference between John chapter nine and John chapter ten, it's it's one story, and it all kind of flows together. And so you have to understand that when John chapter nine, what happens is there's a there's a man who was born blind. And he's been begging at the temple to the point where everybody recognized him. They knew who he was. They they knew that there was this blind man who begged at the temple. And Jesus heals him, right? Maybe you remember the story, like, it's kind of weird. Jesus picks up some dirt, spits in it, makes some mud, puts it on his face. And he does it on the Sabbath. He does it on the Sabbath day. There's not supposed to be any work that's done on the Sabbath. So now this boy gets brought in, this man, he gets brought in. He's being interrogated by the Jewish leaders. And they're saying, who healed you? What day did he heal you? And they're like, man, if you say it was Jesus one more time, like they're getting all irritated. And he's like, listen, it was like, I've already told you it was Jesus. And they cast him out. They kick him out of of the temple, which would have been like being ostracized from his whole community. He was totally kicked out from his people. And the reality is, as we read from John chapter 9, John chapter 10, Jesus has done the same thing for us. He has healed us. He's made a way for there to be sight when we had no ability to see. The, the, like, the shocking reality of the gospel is that um, so many people want to view it as this, so many people want to view Christianity as this system of rules that we abide to. And, and we do all these things like, oh man, as church goers, we well, got to go to church and you got to tithe. And if you're not doing this, you're not a good Christian. If you're not praying, you're not a good Christian. If you're not reading your Bible. And, and so I think I've talked to so many people where you sit there in church and you go, I'm not as good of a Christian as the rest of these people because I don't, and you insert whatever spiritual um, activity in there that you want to. I don't do this enough, I don't do that enough. What Jesus is trying to point to in this story, there was nothing that man did to earn his eyesight. There was nothing that you and I did to earn our salvation. And God has seen us in our spiritual state where we are dead we're not, he didn't come to make bad people good, he came to make dead people alive. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're here in this state where there's nothing that we can do to earn God's love for us. There's nothing that we can do to, to fight our way or to open our way out of the sheepfold to see this freedom, this everlasting life more. But what Jesus has done is he's laid down his life for the people that he loved, for his sheep, so they might have a way out into everlasting life. And that's what he's done for us. That's, it's a free gift, we can't earn it. We, we just receive it and we go out and we experience eternal life. And I just, I wanna encourage you, like this, this message this week, it fits under the, under the umbrella of understanding God as our good shepherd. So we can understand him as the passageway into everlasting life. But we can't really get there unless we understand that he's also our good shepherd who promises to do all these different things for us. And so tune back in next week. I hope you can make it. But the last thing that I just want to close on is that, man, as, as this thing changes frequently, I just want you to keep in mind that your God has stepped down out of heaven to make a way for you when there was no way to him. So it's a the, it's the total um, different story that's being told in Christianity that's not true with all the other religions. Where all other religions want to talk about how you can ascend and get yourself to God. Christianity is the story of God stepping down out of heaven to be with you. And and he's done that by making this gate, by making this doorway. We were all stuck in this pen. We're all stuck in this way with no way out. And Jesus says, look at me. I'm the door. Quit trying to open this up on your own. I've made the way for you. And so I'm going to pray, and then uh, I hope wherever you're at, you dive in. We've provided some sermon questions that you can go in. We've provided some worship content that you've hopefully already seen, or you can spend some time diving into that this week. We've also provided some stuff for your kids to get into, uh, and for you guys to hopefully have a good discussion with your kids this week. Again, we'll see you next week in a setting similar to this, Uh, but I'm going to pray, and then we'll go on our way. So pray with me. Lord, thank you for the truth, for the reality that you are... You are the gate. You are the way when there was no way. God, I pray that you wouldn't let us get stuck in this idea that, man, we're stuck here forever, we're not going anywhere. I pray that even as this subsides, God, as this virus passes and and we get on with the rest of our life, God, uh, I pray that we would keep in mind that we're not gonna accomplish much for the kingdom of God in our comfort zone. Help us be a people who are confident to step out of their comfort zone, knowing that it's you who leads us, God. And I pray that we would also uh, not be a people who, who get caught up following different things or different promises. Uh, the thieves at the end, all they end up doing for us is killing us. They, they are not a pathway that leads to life. They're a pathway that leads to death, God. And so I pray that we would press in in this time. I pray that our church would be leaning our ear, inclining our ear to you to listen to your voice, to, to be open to the things that you want to speak to us right now. And that we wouldn't be so tempted to fall into the panic and the hysteria and the chaos of all that is around us right now, God. And finally, I just I ask that you would help us see you as the only pathway, God. Would we just abandon all of our... Um, Self-righteous effort to try and bolster ourselves up so that you might love us more, but would we just lay that aside and receive the fact that you saw that there was no way for us to access that everlasting life, no way for us to access you, and so you laid down your life for us in love for us, and that wasn't built on anything we did. God, we love you, and I pray that you would be near to people who are feeling stressed, who are feeling lonely. God, um, help us as a church meet people where they're at. This in the coming weeks and. Uh, Help us meet needs, help us see needs and meet them, and help us not feel like we gotta defend you, Jesus. Help us just to love people in the way that you would love them. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.